Again, visitors, we're glad you're here. We hope the service is a help and a blessing to you. Although this morning I'm not in our normal, we, we are normally in the book of Acts, but I'm here. It's, today is a missions emphasis for us on world missions and, and, and trying to reach the world for Christ and being able to send missionaries. And, and so we're, we're focusing on that here this morning. And, uh, but we will be back on Wednesday nights. We're in the book of Romans. Uh, I certainly want to invite you all to that. That is, that's just an amazing book that we're going through. And so we'll be back in the book of Romans and then next Sunday morning back in the book of Acts once again. But Acts chapter 13 this morning, <clears throat> I want to read just a couple of verses here and then we'll, we'll pray. Acts chapter 13. Oops. Starting in verse number 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I ask your blessing upon the message today. Number one, I pray that you be glorified and honored. Lord, help me to stay true to your word. I pray that you would control what I say and how I say it. Lord, teach us your word this morning. Help me to preach it effectively. Lord, may it draw us closer to you. Help us to see your truth. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, I pray for that conviction and that drawing that perhaps even this morning they would repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Lord, I love you and I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 13, we see really the true birth of world missions in regard to the local church. We see God working, God selecting a church, going there and saying, listen, I, I want you to separate for me these two men, Barnabas and Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, for the work whereunto I have called them. This is what we refer to as the very first missionary journey. The church at Antioch is probably my favorite church in the New Testament. It really was such an amazing, incredible church. When you understand how strong this church was, you begin to see why the Lord went to this church and said, all right, these two men, I'm calling out. These two men, we're beginning a set missions program to get church established throughout the world. You begin to understand why he went to this church. It really was an incredible church. If we are going to have an effective missions program, here, right here at the Independent Baptist Church of Anchorage, we have got to be a strong church. <clears throat> there was something special about the church at Antioch. There are reasons why the Lord chose this church. Why the Lord went to the church at Antioch and said, listen, you have men, they're ready. And he's going to call them out. This is really the start of the very first world missions program in existence. 
I think we need to understand what made this church strong. I mean, we're going to think on missions. We're, we're praying the Lord have us to do towards faith promise. And the truth is, if we're going to be effective at all in reaching Anchorage, and reaching Alaska, in our world missions program, we have got to be strong. So why was God using this church? What made the difference? Why was it that God went to the church at Antioch and said, listen, separate me, Paul and Barnabas. The very first mention of this city in any way is in Acts chapter 6, and it's not in regard to the church didn't even exist then yet. That was just a man who happened to be from Antioch that was in Jerusalem at the time who had been converted. He was a, he was a Hellenistic Jew that had converted, and he was selected as one of the seven original deacons. Then the next time we see it mentioned is deals with the church itself, and that is in Acts chapter 11. It's here we see the foundation that was put in place when this church got started. Because of what we see in Acts chapter 11 is why we have Acts chapter 13. If what we see taking place in Acts chapter 11 doesn't happen, there is no Acts chapter 13. So let's turn to Acts chapter 11 this morning. Let's read a couple of verses there. Let's start in verse number 19. It says, Now, when they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, uh, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. The tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch who when he was come and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all with purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. When he found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. <clears throat> Amazing section here. This church is a great example. You know, it's very important at who you model yourself after, at who you allow to have influence in your life. Again, those that you spend your time with, your energy with, will have an influence upon your life. Us as a church, we want the right influence in our church. We want, we want to see a right example of what will genuinely help our church glorify and honor God. 
Well, we have a great example here at the church at Antioch with what was taking place. It was a church that the Lord said, I am going to use this church. They're doing something. Again, for our life, for our family and our church, we want the right influence. We want that to be the Lord, the Word of God, influencing our life. It's not always about what is pragmatic. It's about what does the Lord say. So let's take a look at this church at Antioch. Let's set some context here because I think it's important of, of what we see happening here in this church. In Acts chapter 10, again, you have a major, probably the second most important event in the book of Acts takes place in Acts chapter 10. You have finally, for the first time, um, and the Lord had to do a lot to make it take place, where one of the apostles goes to a Gentile with the gospel. It had yet to take place. That's when Peter was in Joppa at the time, and he had just raised Tabitha from the dead, and he's staying at Simon the Tanner's house, and then the Lord gives him the vision about the meats coming down, and it was a mixture of what, uh, uh, what was unclean in the law, what was clean, and the voice said, rise and eat, and Peter says, not so, Lord, uh, you know, I'm not going to eat of anything that is unclean. And, and the Lord made it clear, what I have cleansed, don't you dare call unclean. And then he wakes out of his vision, and of course that happened three times, and there's men at the door that, uh, that an angel appeared in the Cornelius and said, listen, I want you to send for a man named Peter, told him right where he was, and so Peter wakes from the vision, these men are at the house saying, listen, there's Cornelius, there's this man, he's a Gentile, he, 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 he sent us to get you. And so Peter travels with him, he goes into the house of a Gentile, he preaches, and sure enough, Cornelius, those in his household, they get saved. I mean, when he shows up, they're literally assembled. Cornelius has people waiting to hear the gospel. This was a man that had honored God, had feared God. He had left the paganism of his day. He believed there was simply one true creator, but he didn't have enough truth. And so the Lord sends Peter. Peter gets there, and Peter still, he goes ahead and preaches, and sure enough, Cornelius gets saved. He's just thrilled. News travels back to Jerusalem as to what has happened. And then the Judaizers that were there, they hear what's taking place, and they're not happy. So the first part of chapter 11 was when Peter gets back to Jerusalem, because they're mad. You, you, you ate with a Gentile? You did what? And so he explains, to them, listen, this is of God. This was the vision I had. He, and, and no doubt they had conversations. They had been confused. I mean, Christ's command was to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And you can't, I mean, this is how they are raised. This is how they were taught. And the book of Acts is a book of transition. And it's showing how the Lord was working in their lives to grow them to a place where they could be obedient. <clears throat> and so he rehearses all that the Lord did and all that, all that it led to. And it's after this that the Word of God immediately jumps to this church at Antioch, which is really your very first established, if you will, let me use this phrase, Gentile church. And a strong church emerges that the Lord would use greatly. It becomes the church of the first century. It was very strong. The church that God will use to send out official missionary teams for the purpose of establishing local churches. This was a church that had God's blessing. 
And that was the key. It wasn't the music. It it, 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 it wasn't idea day or looking like some cool pagan to reach the world. What made the difference was they had God's blessing on them. So we have here is keys. We can see in this church what made the difference that God said, I'm using them. They're going to have my blessing. I mean, this is the church. I mean, if we want to have an effective missions program, this is a pattern for us. This is what we're to follow. We want to be in a place where our own actions, our own attitudes, what we're trying to implement does not actually hinder God from using us. So let's dive into this, pas- into this passage to try and stir you in regards to missions. Let's look at what took place at the church at Antioch. We're going to see here in our text that lays out three critical things of why God blessed. They had contact from God, they cleaved unto the Lord, and what they were communicating. And we'll tie into all that. Let's start off with the first one, the contact from God. Let's look at 19 through 21 of Acts chapter 11. 19 through 21. It says, Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them, which were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, that's the Gentiles, preaching the Lord Jesus. Remember, some say, well, that's Hellenistic Jews. No, it's not. It's making a difference because Barnabas, uh, uh, Barnabas the, the men, all the men involved here are Hellenistic Jews. It's separated from context always gives you the meaning. It's dealing with Gentiles with the word Grecians here. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So what we see here in the 19 through 21 is that they had the hand of the Lord. They had contact from God. The hand of the Lord was upon them. Now it's interesting. I want you to notice something here. Verse 19, if you happen to mark in your Bible, you can almost put a little mark right above it. And you could put down Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Look back to, now notice how it says here, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen. If you go back to Acts chapter 8, look at verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now understand this, from from Acts chapter 8 verse 5 all the way to Acts chapter 8 verse 18, it's called parenthetical. It's giving us other information that was taking place at the same time. As far as going straight chronological from 8-4, it then picks up in Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. It's picking up. It's given us, of course, several key things from the conversion of the Samaritans that took place. Acts chapter 9. You have a monumentous event also that occurs. The conversion of Saul who would become the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter uh, um, 10, you get into Cornelius. 
Um, it was, it, the, the finish of chapter 9, the miracle, of the, uh, I've already mentioned it, the raising of Tabitha from the dead. Acts chapter 10, you have the conversion of Cornelius. Acts chapter 11 is, is where he was rehearsing what had happened uh, before the church at Peter, rehearsing before the church at Jerusalem about why he went and preached to a Gentile, went into his house, and the fact that he was genuinely converted. And then, that's where we come back to this phrase here in Acts uh, um, chapter 11 and verse 19. Luke comes right back to the scattering that had taken place because of the persecution. So as a result of the persecution, as I mentioned even in Sunday school, believers had scattered. Phoenicia, Cyprus, and all the way specifically here now, Antioch. Antioch is in a very strategic place. From Jerusalem itself, it's a good bit. It's 300 miles from Jerusalem. By the way, this is not the same city as Antioch of Pisidia. So we have two Antiochs in here. Antioch of Pisidia is on Paul's first missionary journey. It's not nearly as big or as strategic or as important of a city of the, in that day as this Antioch of Syria. And there was a lot of Antioch was a common city name, just like common city names. It's thought to have been as many as 16 in the first century cities named Antioch. <clears throat> the city of Antioch, where this church gets established, was pretty large for a day. A population of over half a million thought to have been third or fourth largest city in the first century. Really was an amazing city. Let me give you some of the facts about it from the first century. It had magnificent buildings that they had built. It was, it, it, one of the names that it was referred to as was Antioch the Golden, the Queen of the East. The main street that went through the town was four miles long, paved with marble, and lined on both sides with marble pillars. would have been an incredible sight to behold. In the ancient world at this time, um, it, was, it was the only uh, uh, city that had its, uh, had its uh, streets lit up at night. It was a busy port. There was a lot of industry taking place. I'm not going to get into all that. It was a common place for wealthy, retired Roman soldiers to come in and, and live and settle in. Very cosmopolitan population, large commercial political power. It was an important place. But it was also very, very wicked. A lot of the problems that came in were, were not dissimilar to what we saw taking place in the city of Corinth and the wickedness that was there. There are all the different deities and pagan worship taking place. But they had one primary shrine, one primary goddess that they worshipped, Daphne, which that came with everything of that day, such, such immorality in that, in that worship of that deity. And this is going to be the city of the very first Gentile church, and it's going to be such an incredible church. So we're told specifically that men of Cyprus and Cyrene, these converted Hellenistic Jews, they come to Antioch as a result of the persecution, and they start to preach. We don't even know their names. Their names aren't even given. Because the truth is, our name isn't important. It's not. In verse 20, we see they start to preach to the Gentiles. I mean, no doubt they had heard about what had taken place 
with Cornelius as news had traveled. Peter had been to Jerusalem. They hear that the gospel does in fact uh, reach, reach, uh, can go to the Gentiles. So these men take off on that. They say, okay, let's do it. We're here in the middle of this, of this pagan city. We've got just this small synagogue that we've been reaching out to. We're going to reach out to anyone. And boy, it takes off. Multitudes convert to Christ. Incredible. You have the start of a Gentile church. And the key we see taking place here is the fact that the Lord's hand was upon them, as we see that in verse number 21. The Lord's hand being upon them. So what does it mean by that statement? It means, it means they had two things. They had God's blessing and God's power. This shows this, this was obedience. God see what's taking place. They had his blessing. They had his power upon it. That's how anything is done, is done for the Lord. It's by his hand and his power. Our church, if, 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 what it needs more than anything is simply God's hand upon it. For us to be in a place as we're serving before the Lord that he can keep his hand upon our church. That we could have his blessing. If we're going to be successful, it's not about us figuring out a pragmatic approach. It's not about us trying to, uh, trying to determine different ways within our culture. It's about us just simply staying right before God, close to Him, growing in strength in our own relationship, because the key is always going to be God's blessing and God's hand. It's not trusting in man's method. It's not trusting what seems pragmatic, but seeking to please God and to have His hand upon us. Jerry texted me a picture yesterday evening. Of uh, it was at a church. And it was the pastor's parking spot, and there there was this car in there. It was probably two hundred thousand dollars. I don't know, but that was the that was the pastor's car. And Jerry said, "Hey, if we could just change our music, darken the auditorium, and you could preach in jeans, you could have this car." And uh, sadly, that is way too true. But the truth is, to have God's blessing in God's hand, my responsibility isn't to fill the pews. It is to, said it many times, to fill the pulpit. We want God's blessing. To have whatever it is the Lord has for us, whatever direction He wants to take us, what He wants to do with us, so be it. We've got to be in a place where that can happen. We've got to stay principled, focusing on God, because we need His blessing, His hand. So we have to stay yielded to Him. Knowing our goal is to have God's hand upon us. To glorify and honor Him. And then whatever He determines in His sovereignty, so be it. Not only, though, did they have God's hand. They had contact from God's hand. We also see to cleave unto the Lord. Look at verses 22 through 24. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all with purpose of heart. They would cleave unto the Lord. Again, we're seeing a foundation established here of what made this church so strong. They are in a place to have God's blessing, to have God's hand upon them. And then we see here 
the, the cleaving unto the Lord. Barnabas encouraged him. Who, Barnabas, we know who he was. Look at verse 24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. For our church to be strong and to be blessed, we have to cleave unto the Lord. That starts with each of us individually. To realize that it is all about the Lord. So what takes place here is this. The church at Jerusalem, now they just, they just were able to get through the idea of Peter going to Cornelius. Well, the church in Antioch finds out and they hit the Gentiles and wouldn't you know it, it explodes on them. Word gets back to Jerusalem, the church at Jerusalem. Um, over in Antioch right now, there is a church exploding. All these Gentiles are coming to the Lord. And so the apostles say, you know what? Let's see what's going on over there. So they get Barnabas, the perfect man to send. Think about this. They're sending Barnabas. Where's Barnabas from? Anybody remember? Cyprus. The men who started this work, where are they from? Cyprus. It's possible. I don't know. It's not a huge stretch. But it's possible Barnabas is the man who led the men who are starting this church to the Lord. And we know Barnabas is role. He's always an encourager in the New Testament. And so they send Barnabas to figure out What's going on? What's going on? And so Barnabas arrives. And this is a man, again, Barnabas is an incredible man as we, as we see here, a man full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith. He has character. He has commitment. He's serious. He has surrendered to the Lord. He was the man that, that, that like many, was simply all about God. And when he arrives, he's basically going to become the pastor of this church. He sees the amazing growth. He sees that these are Gentiles that are genuinely converted. They're, and I'm going I'm to get to this in, in just a few minutes. Their lives are genuinely changing. Paul sees what's going on. You know what he does? He rejoices. And he encourages them. He's like, wow, this is incredible. Look what's taking place. And then he gives great advice. He says, listen, okay, I see what's taking place. Clearly God's hand is in this. He says, but now, let me start off by, look at the very first thing he tells them. Now, as a church, he says, listen, you have to purpose with your heart that you will cleave to the Lord. There's so much that's going to be involved in that. So much that he tells, listen, this is a purpose of your heart. This is something you're going to have to determine to do. It doesn't happen on accident. It's not something that is based on your spiritual emotion of the day. If you're feeling spiritual, I'm going to read my Bible. No, you purpose with your heart. I will cleave unto the Lord. Barnabas understood very well. Barnabas understood very well the pull of the world on many of these, on many of these Gentiles have been said to go back into the paganism. The pressure from the family, the pressure from work, losing their income, losing their jobs. All of a sudden taking a stand against the, the paganism of the day, standing against the culture. And he says, listen, I'm telling you right now, I see what God's doing. God's hand is on this, but you had better purpose with your heart to cleave unto the Lord. To make it all about him. 
You have to determine to do this. You have to make a choice to do this. Listen, if we're going to be used of God, it's coming down to each of us in our own life that we purpose in our heart to actually make it about God and not about us. To make God your life. Not to play a game with it. Not to play religion. But to make it genuine and to make it real. So, if right now, if I was to ask you, what is it in your life that you are cleaving to? What would the answer to that be? So Barnabas begins to minister, he begins to teach, he begins to preach. It goes on to say, once again, and much people were added unto the Lord. I mean, this thing is exploding. It's taking off. The term many people, it means literally giant multitude, massive multitude. I mean, there's a lot of people converting. And so Barnabas, know what he needs? Help. Know what he does? You know, there's a man that I met named Saul. I'm going to go get him. Which leads me right to my third point. Look at verse 25 and 26. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now the third C. They had the contact, the hand of the Lord. They were cleaving unto the Lord. And this one is so key. The communication of the church. In other words, what I mean by that is this. I need to see. Biblical teaching was taking place. Biblical preaching was happening. They were highlighting the word of God. For a church to be right, to have God's hand upon it, for God to use. This needs to be central. It needs to be central. So what happens is, again, Barnabas takes off to go and find Saul. Now, the time frame between what takes place here, so you get an idea of the, even the parentheses that we're seeing take place. And Acts chapter 9, his conversion is 10 years. We're 10 years between Acts 9, 10, and 11. 10 years passed. And so he, re- he, he, he was aware that, that Saul was somewhere near his home area of Tarsus. So he heads to Tarsus to go and get Saul and bring him to Antioch. He finds him, and then they both head back. And so basically, they both become almost co-pastors of this church. Barnabas and Paul. Would that not be tremendous to sit under? I mean, you have the one man, Paul, who had spent all, I mean, he had the years with Christ, the desert of Arabia, he's growing. This was a man who, when, when he converted, I mean, he converted. I mean, he understood what it meant, the man who was persecuting the church, the one who was, who was trying to stop Christianity, who all of a sudden came to the conclusion that the very man he's been fighting is, in fact, the Messiah himself. He doesn't let pride, he doesn't let his position, he converts immediately. This man is teaching and preaching to him. 
every week. If not, we know how Paul operated later on. If not, every single day, the church is gaining in strength. We're seeing a foundations being set for why the Lord is going to use them. So Paul brings, or Barnabas brings Saul in. And so I wonder what their approach would be once they see what's taking place. They have a great multitude that's been converted. What's their approach? So I wonder what kind of programs did they start? If we read it, it says, And it came to pass that for a whole year they assembled themselves together with the church, and they had lots of games and dinners and contests. Lots of musical concerts, community events, tattoo night, throwing a pie in a preacher's face night, Super Bowl party night. It's not what they did. You know what they did? They preached and taught the Word of God. That's what they did. They communicated the Word of God. No wonder this church became such an incredibly strong church. Biblical teaching, biblical preaching is key for any church. Learning the word of God. Learning why we do what we do. Learning how to truly glorify God in your life. Because you just don't get to determine that. That's, that's where we're at nowadays. It seems like everybody gets to determine their own truth. Even in churches. However you want to glorify God. No, you better do it just like Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. No, I want to do it based on the word of truth so that I have not run in vain. We need to know the Bible. We need solid biblical teaching, solid biblical preaching for us to grow. As a result of what's taking place, keep in mind, this is a, we're not talking, we're not talking a town of 1,000. We're not talking a village that Antioch is. It is one of the largest cities in the first century. And notice what takes place. Those not within the church, outside the church, gave them a name, didn't they? They were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, we understand they meant that as derogatory, but they took that as an honor, of course. The point is this. Listen to me. This is so important in the culture we live in right now, with churches not knowing which direction to go, because they're changing so dramatically to make themselves look and act like the world. They are. Conforming to the world's music, the world's ways, and they think this is a bridge to reach them. Though the key that's going to be reaching is the word of God. It is the gospel. Notice what happened with these men, these multitudes that are getting, getting saved. It is so evident their life changed drastically. So much so that those outside had to give them a completely different name. Those are Christians. In other words, that, that ending, that, that suffix that's on that word was common. That means it, they understood who they were following. Christ. For that to take place, because they didn't name themselves, they weren't going around announcing they were Christians. There was something about their life that led the others to conclude they're different. When you're following Christ, truly following Him, he will change you. 
And we are now living in a very humanistic culture that is very much apart from God. America is no longer a Christian culture, based in a Christian culture. That's no longer true. So you know what's going to happen now? We should stick out. Our mannerisms should be different. We should speak different, look different, act different. So much so that they know there's something different about you. There's something different. Listen, if you call yourself a Christian, let it mean something to you. And then, as I conclude this, look, look what takes place. So we have, that, we, we have that framework down. The hand of the Lord was upon them. Barnabas comes in and says, listen, now you, you need to purpose with your heart to do this if this is going to work. You cleave unto God. You cleave unto him. He goes and he gets Paul. They come back and... The church is just getting biblical teaching and biblical preaching. They're growing. Look what happens next. Look at the event that is thrown in right here. What we see them is contributing now, the next seat, or being used of God. It says, And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it unto the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. We already see them contributing. We see God using them now. They're reaching out. And at this time, and of course, at this time, the New Testament is not complete yet. The gift of prophecy, the sign gifts are still in place. And so it comes and they learn of what's going to take place and the suffering that's going to happen as a result of this dirt that is to come about. And by the way, we have this recorded exactly what's being talked about here in other historical documents. We know that Claudius ruled from 41 to 54. And during the year 45 to 46, there was a great famine in Israel. It fits perfectly. So, the church at Antioch, they hear about it. And they want to help. They want to be used of God. So we see God using them immediately. And they did it according to their own ability. Here is the very first Gentile church, and they're right away sending right back to the church at Jerusalem. They're being used of God. That's how it's going to take place. Once the foundation is there, it's in place. We have God's blessing, God's hand upon. We're cleaving unto the Lord and we're growing. You know what's going to take place? The Lord's going to start to use us. And again, in a short amount of time, you get to Acts chapter 13. The Lord's going to come to that church and say, we've got something else starting now. I'm pulling men out from you. We're going to send them to other areas to begin establishing churches. And that, just incredible what happens. The first, second, and third missionary journey. Again, we're in the third missionary journey right now going through the book of Acts. Just amazing to see what takes place. So, from the church at Antioch, we have a pattern. We have an example for us. If we're going to be effective in world missions, we've got to have God's hand upon us. We do. We've got to honor him, stay with the Lord. And then, and then for us individually to make sure we're cleaving unto the Lord, that we purpose with our heart, let's make this about God. Let's focus on him. 
that helps us from going back to the ways of the world, but focus on the Lord. Not so much in all the voices that are all over. There's so much pulling us today and everything else and confusion. You cleave unto the Lord. And then our responsibility as a church is that we communicate what is taught is the Word of God. Growing from that. Feeding on that. Allowing it to get to a place. You know what it does? It changes you. Your family notices it. Your friends, your co-workers, people notice there's a difference in your life. We're in a place where God certainly can use us. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed.